Welcome back to another episode of the RAG Report podcast, my daily bulletin show where I bring to you recruitment owners, advisors, suppliers, even investors to the global recruitment industry who prepare to give up some of their time and, and share their experience of COVID-19 so that we all get through this better together. Today, I'm excited to be joined by Sam Whitaker over in Sydney. He's the MD of Blue Gibbon, a locum, basically doctor recruitment agency headquartered in Sydney who are now starting to come out the back end of COVID-19, returning to work. Um, I'm sure they've been busy. I'm sure they've had lots to do. And uh, I think it'd be a, a very interesting uh, story to tell. Before I do, I just want to mention our sponsors, Rise Recruitment Ventures. These guys are the newest recruitment investment business on the market. John and Alex both started and sold a recruitment agency within 10 years back in 2016 for over 20 million pounds. Um, they recruited in the social care space, a, a company called Liquid Personnel. And they built that up to over 140 staff, over 100 million turnover. And now they've started again, this time to help the next generation. So they're helping startups and newly formed early stage organizations to not only benefit from the cash they've got, but the expertise they've got to build world-class infrastructure so that you can scale and exit how they did. If you're interested to find out if they can help you um, or just want to ask some questions, these guys have got lots of time and they're always willing to help, reach out to them via www.riserv.co.uk. Right, back to the show. Sam, welcome to the RAG Report. Thanks, Sean. Thanks for having me. Good to have you on, mate. And I, uh, We've had a little pre-show chat, um, but for the, for the listeners, my first question is always, what the hell is your life like right now? So paint the, I want to paint a picture so we can close our eyes and we can imagine what your life's like in Australia right now. It's, um, well, now I've just literally jumped on my bike back from the office. Um, we've had the office closed for nine weeks. Um, we've just this week opened the doors again with 50%, well, we're only allowed four people in the office at one time, given the size of the office mm. and just being really, really safe. Uh, so I was on my uh, my push bike trying to still maximize the uh, the, the the infection and, and just get on the bike and, and enjoy that. Um, everyone else in the office is trying to do the same. So you're like not not utilizing uh, public transport. Your office and is I right in the not. in the city, yeah? CBD. Yeah, we're on George Street. We're on George Street, which, which if you know it, like it used to be quite a busy um, main road, but they've actually pe uh, pedestrianized it now. And there's a tram line going up straight through it. Um, it's a bit bizarre. It's quiet um, compared to normal. Uh, you see the trams going past and they weren't really the most popular mode of transport before all this, but they're just this, they're empty. Yeah. The buses are, are empty as well. There's a lot of people riding in. I've seen like, you know, I think uh, I got my bike serviced a couple of weeks ago. And they couldn't get me in. They were like, you should see the amount of customers we've got. They've got the bikes out of the garage, getting them serviced and uh, getting, getting that, uh, yeah. I don't know if you're keeping on top of what's going on over here, um, back home for you, but the, uh, yeah. the Sunday night announcement talked about the investment in, in both riding and walking. Like, so the, the old ride to work scheme, I think there's going to be a couple of, a couple of hundred million or something pumped into cycling now. So they're going to improve cycle lanes. And I think, I hope, I, I think that'd be a really nice byproduct of what's gone on that, you know, the world or London anyway, is, it, is even more, you know, active. And I, I, I remember when I was at my recruitment agency, we used to have an office on Fleet Street in London. I don't know if you know it, it's like yeah. a, right in the heart next to Blackfriars. And the cycle to work scheme was there. And I lived in Clapham North. 
and the northern line is an absolute shitter like you wake up in the morning jumping on the northern line you've got to like headbutt three people just to get on yeah, yeah and on. i was like i'm gonna cycle in and then the week before i was about to do it i was looking into bikes and all that someone got killed on on blackfriars road oh, no. so i literally yeah. came out of my office and the person was like there was like tape and lights and they'd been hit by a bus and it just put me off. I was like, fuck that. I'm just going to jump on the yeah. line. <laughs> um, yeah. But now yeah. I'm like, I don't know. You can't live your life that way. You've got to go out and try things, I suppose. So I'm, I'm, I'm yeah. thinking of getting a bike. So. Sydney's pretty hairy. Like they keep opening yeah. these cycle lanes and then changing them the next week. Um, my wife's not, not uh, the biggest fan of it, but I love it. Like I, I can, I used, I used to do it beforehand, but now it's just even more. And I think, as you say, like to have something positive out of it, I think a lot of people have, I mean, Sydney, Australia, Australia in general, when everyone is new off the boat from the UK, they're like, I can't believe so many people are exercising outside. But from what I can see my mates and family and stuff back home, they're really enjoying that limited time that they're allowed to go outside to exercise and make the most of it. I'm waving to people in the street and, and just doing things that they wouldn't normally do just to get out of the house because they're allowed that exercise time. Yeah. Um, so here it's been the same as well. I mean, the beach is, um, the beach is opened and then we took advantage and they couldn't do the isolation. So they had like a, a, a World War Two air raid warden, warning that goes off and you can yeah. hear it. I'm in Maroubra and you can hear it from here. And that basically, it's a shark alarm usually, but that was basically closing the beach because there's too many people on it or we're not respecting the rules so and that's quite a big thing here like that's what drew me to live in australia is the beach and yeah. people felt okay. like people felt vandalized that they couldn't go to the beach themselves so it's back up and up and it's good it's i mean in the office itself we've just got four of us we, we've been told officially we can have six but we're just doing alternate desks so there's 12 of us in the business um, and and I've kind of said to the team, look, it's optional to come in, um, but we obviously observe the, the rules and, um, and we kind of sent around a bulletin on Friday. Um, we obviously keep hygiene up to a high standard. Don't go, don't be hugging each other, doing anything silly, uh, try and avoid public transport. Um, and it's been, it's been well received. I mean, it, but still there's certain anxiety and I think it's, it's not all, it's not, you know, straight but you know jumping in in the no, deep no. end and half the team have said look i'd prefer to kind of still work from home and and i think it, again it's kind of yeah and and it's it's been an eye-opener for me to actually we've always promoted flexible working and everyone's got a laptop and a mobile phone so we've we've been you know we were set up luckily ready to go but still it's like as a business owner you're like i think actually but the guys have got on and done it and dug deep and it's been great. Um, can, you, um, can you do us a favor then? Just go give yeah. us a really like one minute overview of who the, what's your business all about? Medical recruitment. Um, we started with a view to be different. A lot, there's a lot of medical recruitment companies out there that are quite corporate. Um, we found, my found from going to conferences and stuff and getting to know the doctors and building up personal relationship with the doctors they, they're not about the shirt and tie and that standoffish. They want it's it's more more relaxed. And um, so it's very our policy is just open door. Like we've got doctors that come into our office, help themselves to the beer fridge, grab a beer after a night shift, and then get just chat to us about the shift. And um, oh. it's that kind of transparency, that, that approachable vibe that we wanted to go down. Um, and the doctors can really lean on us, and really it just strengthens that relationship. So. We thought of the company brand, we were thinking of animals that make for life and we wanted it to stand out. 
were thinking there was like wolves and uh, uh, vultures they mate for life, which can be quite apt in the recruitment space. Mm. Um, but Gibbon stood out and I was with a mate who's a lot better at SEO than I am. And he said, Gibbon, G-I-B-B-O-N, stands out. Go for it. We couldn't get Blue Gibbon with an E. That's a Chinese restaurant in the States. I've tried <laughs> about 50 times to get the URL. I can't get the URL. So we just said, screw it. We'll knock the E off. And it's Blue Gibbon was started then. And we designed the little, I've got my phone cover here, the little logo. Like it. And it just stood out. And the doctors seem to get into that into that groove as well. So, yeah, it's just to be approachable, to be, but to be different, to stand out. So we've got different jobs um, than the typical uh, shifts that kind of come out. So we've we've been really lucky. We've got quite a few rosters that we manage. So we're offering a bit more uh, value to the to the client, to the hospital, than just shift filling and just trying to chase that reactive stuff. We're actually taking that that issue away from the hospital. Um, and we yeah we we we've got a good uh, we've got a good vibe going on at the moment. So how long how long has the business been going? Seven years. Right. And how Seven many years staff have you got? So we've got twelve. Right. Twelve so how, staff. Yeah. Talk us now, like let's let's go back to when COVID hit you and what was it like? Because I think you know China obviously the no I was in Dubai when I first heard about yeah. COVID and it was the end of Jan. It was my wife's birthday and I was in uh, I was just. I remember getting to the airport in Dubai and just seeing people with face masks everywhere. And I was like, what's this about? And then started hitting the news more. And then all the Premier League, ex-Premier League footballers were leaving Chinese, like so Igalo and Fellaini yeah. was leaving. It was all, And then Fellaini was in my hotel. And I was like, oh shit, he's just left China. He's in my hotel. Um, but um, that was when it first, end of Jan was where I first understood it. But I still thought, you know, whatever. Like I remember going traveling in 2010 when I went to Oz and SARS was out. And, you yeah. know, a lot of people were worried about SARS in, in Asia, but it didn't, it didn't create a global pandemic. So I was like, it'll be like that. Um, what was it like? When did you start hearing in Australia that this was getting quite serious? I mean, we've got a few cases that came in. Um, and there was, you heard on the news, it was, there was a big hype over the cruise ships and mm. what was going to happen with the cruise ships. And um, I remember it was a, Thursday, I was on a phone call to a, a, a consultant in emergency medicine, a friend of mine. Uh, she's currently on mat leave. Um, and she said, and I, we're just chatting, just catching up, just how's the baby, the rest of it. And then we just got on to the conversation of what do you think about Corona? And, and, and I was quite blase, like truthfully at that point in the team, I was sort of saying, look, it's, it's the flu. It's only going to affect really vulnerable. I think it's just a bit, a bit, hyped up at the moment i just keep obviously keep an eye on it and then um this friend of mine just she said sam the medical report is just the official medical reports just come out of italy you, this is this is serious like the icu departments aren't going to be able to cope if the infection rate is is as is as it said that it happened in italy um and I, I was like okay well what would be your recommendation and she's isolate by like, do what you can now we're probably well, we're two weeks ahead of the official notice to to kind of stop to start working from home. Um, so when was that? For when, you? Was it early March? Or it was, was it? I'd have to look at my. I forgot my. Yeah, so it was nine weeks ago. It was early March. Yeah, I've got it on my um, on my signature on the bottom of my email. I forgot what the exact date was, but it was that Friday. We'd actually, um, I'd actually interviewed someone to start with us um, on the Tuesday. Did the references? She's from the UK. Did the references that Tuesday night? Offered her on the Wednesday. And then called her on the Thursday night to say, this is going to be weird. 
but when office is closed, like you're starting on Monday, your first job in Australia with us, um, you want to work from my house. Like we're, we're not, we're not breaking the rules cause there was no rules put in place, but yeah. I'm going to have to give you a laptop and get you, like, show you the system, like uh, where anything is. Uh, so she worked from my house for that first week. Um, and then we, we took the decision to take my daughter out of daycare. Uh, and then everything really started shutting up. Um, and at that point, my colleague, my, the newest addition to the team, she started working from home after week one as well. Um, yeah, we, I, I mean, the team kind of evolved. Everyone works differently home at home and everyone's got different environments and different family situations. It's been, um, it, it's been tricky to, it's been like, very tricky life? to manage. What's your life like, your young family? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we've got Ruby. She's uh, three days in daycare. My wife works three days, Monday, Tuesday and Wednesdays. Um, and she, luckily her work, any of, she works at a bank and anyone that had, that has kids and difficulty with childcare hasn't been allocated to a COVID-19 project. She's in IT. Right. So anyone anyone that has the opportunity to pick up the workload has been allocated to like the mortgage freeze um, uh you know, incentives and all of the yeah. uh, the projects that have come out out of this. Um, so, it, luckily, we've been we've been able to manage between the two of us. But some days, like Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, I've been working from here. I'm at home now, and just been having to run out because Le- Leanne's my my wife's had to call and and tapping in and out and just kind of trying to tell the team when I am and and not available. Um, I set up an iPad. I've got it here, and I've just called it VR Sam. I put it in the corner of the room and just set up like a continuous um, with Google uh, Google uh, Meet, so anyone could just jump in at any time and ask me a question. And I think that really helps with the kind of transparency of just those little questions, like Sam, what, what are the terms of that client? Or you know, what do I do there? Yeah, Have yeah. you booked the travel for that? The first two weeks was a nightmare because we we had most of our work is in regional and remote Australia. Yes. So weird and wonderful locations. Like some some of these doctors have to do two or three flights and trains and no, not trains, but um, hire cars and stuff to get to their final destination away from home. And it was like I remember that Friday we closed the office. We'd actually had a weekend away with some friends, booked that weekend, and there was again no guidelines or anything. And we know we weren't doing anything, you know, like far wrong. Like there was not we were still allowed to do it. Um, and we, we kind of all met up and on the Sunday morning, I got a call from my first doctor and they said, um, she was at the airport in South Australia. She was due to go to Western Australia for, for a three week locum contract. And she goes, I can't go because, um, we d- I don't know whether I'm going to be allowed back into the state, into South Australia, mm. South Australia put in one of the first, um, border restrictions. Um, and yeah, that was, that was kind of the start of, right we need to kind of make a plan for, for future travel. So for, um, you, for you guys, it must have been a busier time than, than a quiet time. Like a lot of recruitment companies exactly. inst- instantly saw their, their flow, their job flow just disappear, right? You guys yeah, must have seen it go up. It was, it was hectic, right? It was busy, but I wouldn't necessarily say the first couple of weeks were the placements were coming through, but the cancellations were just as equal. So mm. we were like robbing Peter to spare Paul. Like we'd, we'd have to cancel someone because their family commitments, so they couldn't get into the state or they couldn't travel. And then we'd have to backfill that with a local candidate that was in the state that didn't have any isolation or travel requirements. We had doctors at airports that just 
couldn't travel that we thought that we'd book them a flight. We couldn't book flights up until sort of 48 hours in advance. So we did basically, we did a plan for three months from March and triaged, like just did a risk assessment on who high, medium and low risk. And, and if the, the, like the high risk were anyone with a family that might have restrictions on childcare and schooling, like schools closing, and anyone that's, we, we've got some doctors that used to fly in internationally. Um, one of the doctors was due to do a two week on two week, two week on two week off rotation from Glasgow to Western Australia. Um, cause she couldn't get a GMC registration in place in the UK. So she had to earn an income while her husband was going to work in Glasgow. Husband's still gone to Glasgow, but she's now working. She's just full time now. She's not able to travel back to the UK. People traveling every um, two weeks that distance. Yeah, man. Yeah. That would, well, your, that, would, that would ruin your uh, sleep patterns, wouldn't it? I know, but these, the doctors work funny shifts anyway, and you know, going in days into nights, not straight away. But um, yeah, she she's got, she was getting paid two thousand dollars a a shift for fourteen fourteen days, um, and then have two weeks off with her with her husband. But she's decided to stay here. A quick interruption of the episode to bring to you a message from our second sponsor, which is Odro. Odro, as most of you probably know, is the world's most powerful all-in-one video interview platform for recruiters. Used by thousands of recruiters worldwide and with some of the industry's biggest names amongst its client base, Odro is a video interview platform. It was developed specifically to help agencies increase their revenues. The most innovative solution on the market, Odro's software helps recruiters to engage more talent, reduce time to hire, and most importantly, it helps you win business. You'll even get the ROI back from investing in Odro within just 45 days. It's designed to benefit everyone in the process. So from recruiters to clients to candidates, Odro's platform is improving the hiring process one interview at a time. We chose to partner with Odro because we felt like both brands, Hoxo and Odro, were in such a clear alignment in the way that we approach everything we do and how passionate we are about helping this industry grow. If you want to find out more about how Odro can help your agency transform its process and win more business, win exclusivity and drive revenue, then click the link on the podcast notes and every social post that goes out and they will, you will get a call back by one of the Odro guys. They're, they are awesome and I'm sure they'll be able to offer some amazing value to your business. Thanks for listening. Let's get back to the show. Yeah, she she's got, she was getting paid two thousand dollars a a shift for fourteen fourteen days, um, and then have two weeks off with her with her husband. But she decided to stay here. That was actually the same doctor that was due to fly from South Australia. Um, so we had to find her. So then we'd cancel the job in WA, try and find doctors in WA to replace. Uh, luckily, we we've, we've got a network of guys all over the country, and we we, we were able to. Pro, you know, um, forecast. Are you, the are you up against? Are you up against competition to fill these jobs, or is it exclusive? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. So there's, there's, I'd say uh, there's probably about seventy different entities in Australia that are doing medical recruitment. Yeah. Some of those might be one-man bands just doing a particular area or a particular um, hospital or group. Uh, right the way up to there's, there's three or four big, big companies out there with you know seventy-plus headcount. Um, so yeah, it's it's first in best dressed. It's how how reactive you can be with the compliance of the doctor, and hoping that you've got the relationship with the doctor to to get the deal across the line. Yeah. And how long are the, you normally dealing with really short term projects, or is it 
always a um, longer term play we're lucky like i mean coming back to our brand like we, we're it's all about that relationship and i've been doing it here 15 years now and um we've got some really good long-term clients um where they've kind of said to us this is our problem can you and we've come up with a long-term solution um so we'll take care of the roster where i've got a roster that's full now till halfway through to january uh, till 2021 um and it you know that that gives us a lot more kind of security but at the same time one of those rosters the doctor was due to fly from new zealand he couldn't make it so then i had to backfill that with someone else get him there and then it's just sort of a lot of swapping and changing but all in all like we've, we've had some of our biggest weeks like week week before last was our biggest week in terms of new revenue new bookings mm-hmm. on the board um but uh, and it's it's good just to see that things are opening up but at the same time we've got a gp team general practice and they've shut up shop basically mm-hmm. like the, the the gps are doing telehealth and or opting not to work in a lot of the general practice um industry the gps are, are a bit older um so they've decided just not to work and take that risk uh, or they've not been ahead of the telehealth kind of yeah. uh, flood of, of of providers for telehealth um so we've kind of seen, and the travel component, we usually get a lot of GPs that sort of take, oh, I'm taking two weeks off leave. I want to go to this interesting place in uh, an indigenous community in Northern Territory. They just can't can't do that anymore. Um, so the GP team, we've had to kind of think on our feet and 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 quickly get them get the get the team kind of working on more of the hospitalist yeah, so uh, job. Yeah, so, reallocate people and throw everything. Yeah. Out. What yeah, have your day, what, have your, what have your days been like in terms of time? Uh, I've got, I mean, I've really tried to, we do like our mini uh, one-to-one. Um, it's been, I've, had, I've really kind of enjoyed be, being at home just to have, have a bit more time to myself to really think through the quality of those calls and really it's put a lot of, um, I don't know, it's put a lot of just a realisation on that, on that time because time has been tight and everyone's kind of, and I, so I've really wanted to maximize and make sure that those meetings are uh, as valuable as possible and they get the most out of me um, during the time in terms of support. And I've had a few kind of breakthrough moments where I've had that time to kind of think of, am I actually serving the team as best as I can yep. be? Um, like the one-to-ones were just getting to a point where it was just a commentary about the desk. And I was just like, this is shit. This isn't what this time's about. So I've actually stripped it all back and I've engaged with, um, with people like HR people and just, just got back to my roots really as to what I would want from that time when I was an employee speaking to, to the boss. Yeah. True. Um, what, what, um, what's your thought process around going back into the office full time? Have you, have you changed your mantra a little bit on, obviously I know right now there's that nervousness, but let's just yeah. think when COVID's over, are you going to go back to the, the same MD as you were before? And, or would you evolve the way that you operate to take some of the learnings you've, you've, you've had on, on board? Absolutely. I think we, we had these ideas of um, once you've done five placements with a client, you actually work from the client's location for a half day or a day to bring in that kind of proximity and get to know the client even even more intimately um, and just understand what the job's like and what the place is like. Um, but it's never, we've not really enforced it. It's more been like, we've got a big map in the office and we do the dots, but it's like, 
actually force him to do it. It's not happened. And I think now we've just realized that importance of face-to-face connection and we're just going to value that so much more. So that's something that we're definitely going to really um, work on. But as I said, the flexibility was always there, but I'm still quite old school when it comes to the sales and you've got to gear up and you've got to do your activity. But I saw Greg Savage was on here a few a few weeks ago and um, I've done a few of his courses. And um, I, But now there still has to be that environment and we've got we we do have a few junior recruiters in the in the office and that training and the mentoring and on the tool coaching is so important but at the same time you can get so much done when you're on your own without that distraction and it's just enforced the trust that i've got in the team to to get the job done from wherever they want to be um so it's just it's kind of empowered us all naturally in a weird way and just kind of really focus on each other's time so would, you stay, um, would you see yourself maybe one or two days a week at home or would it be still five in the office? I think for, for me, yeah, I, 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 I'd started doing a Wednesday from home. Um, so I could have a, well, I wasn't working. It was just a day, a day off looking after my daughter. So I could have that quality time when she was younger. Um, it did, I couldn't get the traction at two, doing two days on and then two days at the end of the week and Friday, Friday afternoons, days were opening up anyway. Um, if we'd had a good week, um, so it, um, it it wouldn't really work, but definitely now I, I, I've quite any high energy and I, I tend to go into my, you know, just keep working if there's a particular project that's there. Well, there's always something you can be doing in recruitment, right? Um, so I used to be a lot stricter going in early. And if I go in, if I'm an early bird, if, I, if I'm in early, leaving early. So I get that quality time at home, but I'd stop doing that. And I think I naturally... I started kind of wearing me wearing me out a bit in terms of my energy levels. Um, so I'm just going to be strict with myself. If I'm in early, I'm getting home so I can have that balance. Um, yeah. So and I've kind of said to the team, just force me to do that as well. And we're all kind of in it together. But I think, yeah, we're all work differently as well. Some people are better in the mornings and better, better in the evenings. And again, I can sometimes take that old school approach where it's like, you've got to be in it. You've got to make, you know, your 10 calls by 10 but some of our best clients are in Western Australia. So I'm not going to enforce people to make a, a pointless phone call when it's all about that quality. Um, and, and again, just, yeah, just trying to get that proximity and make the most out of each, each relationship, which can't what be forced. Like is, you've clearly thought about the learnings more than some people I, I've spoken to in the past. Like you've really, it sounds to me like you've really analyzed it and gone, you know, I've liked this, I like that. And that's kind of my mindset. I, I spend, so I'm listening to a book called The 5 a.m. Club, recommended by, oh, yeah. guy, recommended by a guy called Chris Redmond, who I had on the show, who's a, who's a mate and a client of mine. And uh, it talks about that. You know, we're all living in a world where, and it, obviously this is, the book wasn't, didn't know coronavirus would happen or anything, but it talks about everyone living in a time poor world where, you know, they don't give themselves any personal time. They don't, they don't free up yeah. anything dedicated to themselves. And that 5 a.m. clubs about giving yourself a couple of hours in the morning or even one hour of, of, of your time to like master something or master your own mind. And so I'm, yeah. hey, what is it, 8.30 now in the UK and I've been up since, I didn't get up at five, I'm struggling, I'm getting there. Well, 5.30 today, I'm, I'm trying to knock like 15 minutes a day to get towards five. Um, <laughs> but it is, yeah. I mean, like already this morning, I've managed to plan my day, looked at some numbers. I've done 15 minutes yoga, 30 minutes weights. I've sweeped and cleaned the flat. I took the dog out for a walk. <laughs> and now I'm doing a podcast and it's not even nine o'clock. And it, right. again, I was, I've always been quite an early guy and quite productive, but 
I'm like, can I go back now to jumping on the tube at like 6.37 and get, I don't know, I don't know if I want, I might. I was on, yeah, I was on the bike the other day, the first day back on the bike and I'm cycling and I'm just like, it's a 40 minute cycle. I'm like, I could have, I could have spent some quality time with Leanne, with Leanne and Ruby. I could have done, I've got my outdoor gym that is just here. Yeah. Look, I've been so lucky. I've got a garden and I've got, I've had that outdoor space. I bought all the gadgets. I yeah. bought the pull-up bar. I bought oh, a nice. bloody piece of plastic that tells me where to put my arms in different positions. Oh, wow. That, right. It, it, it's rubbish. But <laughs> I, 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 like, I, like, I like a gadget just to, just to force me. Oh, I even bought myself, you know, a speed ball. That you, all the boxers use. Really, you got one of them. Week one, week one. I thought I'm working from home. I can have my headset on and I could be speedballing and get my get you know get some exercise while I'm doing it. Oh, Probably too. annoyed the hell out of the doctors. <laughs> um, but it was a, it, the only thing it ended up being is a laugh for the team watching me trying to do it on my on my iPad. Um, but y- yeah, you think of that time wasted on the mm. commute. And and it, again, it just makes you appreciate the time that you you've got at home, and it makes you kind of work a bit. I think it for me, it's variation, it's right? If you do it anything every day, you're going to get a little bit. Yeah. It's going to get a little bit too much. I think having a couple of days of balance and you know going and seeing people. Like yesterday, even I went to see the office. I told you we were supposed to record yesterday, but because of we got burgled yesterday in our in our office. Oh, we were burgled at the weekend, but found out yesterday morning. Um, I was in there and I met my business partner for the first time in eight weeks. We speak every day on video, but that was weird and but great. Um, and even well, we had to go around and look at the inventory and see what it was taken. Um, but actually, in a way, I enjoyed just getting out. I enjoyed, I was surprised how busy it was when I drove into the office. And um, it was nice, just it made me feel like there's a world out there. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'd forgotten. You, do, you do get very, yeah, insular, like, where natural recruiters and marketing and that we need that we thrive on that personal um connection and and you you do get so much more we we're in like a a co-working sort of environment with um different healthcare practitioners and they've kind of managed to keep open because they've got you know medical uh, essential services and i was chatting to the owner who's a a doctor as well um uh, yesterday and he was just saying the psychologist to the psychiatrist, but it can naturally kind of lean to telehealth and this kind of scenario of what we're doing now. But it's the, it's everything else that's in that environment. It's the little leg twitch when someone's kind of, you know, that body, you get so much more. And I think, I think whilst learning that I know everyone that we can work remotely and you can get so much done and it might be a bit of a waste of time on the commute, it's that you just build up so much more of that bond and that relationship when you're in it together and yeah. sharing the highs and the lows because champagne and razor blades like mm. um in in any recruitment um and you, you've got to help each other through it and it can be lonely when you you're in your you know kitchen table or box yeah. office yeah. yeah yeah i agree with that 100 well one thing i wanted to cut i don't know if you're not you're not an expert potentially on this but you are connected to the medical side of things yeah like in the, the, the sheer volume of cases and, and deaths in Australia is just ridiculously low. Like, and we're, you know, we're getting on for 35, 40,000 deaths. Well, I don't know how yeah. many, how many cases a day, 1500, 1500 or whatever. I, I don't even know the numbers, but it's coming down, but we've had, it's an incredible amount. Obviously we've got a lot more people than ours. We've got a lot less space than ours. I get there's some factors, yeah. but what do you think you guys did differently that, or what did you do that enabled you to contain it so well? 
Yeah, I think we've got the natural, as you, as you touched on, the, just the natural space, and we're not uh, on top of each other as much in the UK. Um, we were panicking here just with the the natural outlook of Australia is the, you know, fair income, quite relaxed approach and blasé approach, like I, I was at, at first. Um, and I, I, we were thinking it's very similar to like the Italian way of life and the way that it's just, you know, it's very social hugs and and, and quite relaxed approach that we wouldn't listen to, to the rules. But Australia, they have like, they've, we've got the board. So the, the borders, I think, have played a big, there's so much travel usually into interstate. Um, and when they kind of started shutting down the borders, it's like shutting down counties in the UK. You could actually isolate these towns and these hotspots, and that just just automatically stops it. And you guys have still got the travel that's only just stopped this um, the strict 14 day um, isolation in the UK has only just come into play now. We had it like we're out we're, two, two months ago. Sunday, we're these... saying we can go where we want now, and you know, as long as you're two meters apart, you can meet whoever you want, kind of thing. It's like no, it seems it's... a bit too soon for that. If the infection rate's still so high, but you can understand where where governments are coming from with the the push for economic, uh, yeah, you know, 100%. like there's a but, lot of uproar about Scotland, Ireland, Wales, and you know why they why they locked down and the UK haven't, oh sorry, England haven't, and I think the, the economic impact of the of England and London, Manchester, London, Birmingham, these cities are, them they're mega, like they're they're massive, and I, I mean yeah. I'm not saying there's not economy in wales and scotland and ireland but northern ireland but it ain't the same level and uh, i think there's got to be it's all about that there's got to be that reason why it's pushing people to do things but it is it's 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 just got to be the distance because like some of the places you could 12 hour drive to get up to queensland from where i am and if the flights are not running you just can't do it and then they bought they brought in the quarantine restrictions so if you went into queensland um you had to self-isolate so it just stopped that travel and that just stopped the spread because it is just so... When you so say they shut the borders, literally how? Like all the, all the roads yeah. were blocked? Like there's, there's yeah, they had police, police blocks. It was only really kind of strict for a couple of weeks. I had a couple of doctors travelling the border. Um, doctors were exempt as an essential worker and they had to... But each of the... This is the difficult part of our job. Every border, different rules and different applications and different kind of uh, ways of doing it. So Queensland, for example, you have an application to um, apply as an essential worker and then they will grant you access or not. And I spoke to a mate of mine is, is up in um, up on the Sunshine Coast, um, but his, his house is down in Sydney. And he was panicking, like, am I going to get across the border? Am I going to have to isolate in New South Wales or am I going to have to isolate back in Queensland because I'm needed back at my Queensland Health Hospital, my Queensland Hospital. I'm on the roster for next week, but I need to be in Sydney to, you know, my partner's down there and I've got stuff that needs to happen down there as well. But when he kind of called me as he was passing through the border, he went through no problem. But I think two weeks before that, it was a lot stricter. But I think any of the ports, the airports and stuff have just been, yeah, they've been policed and uh, and, and obviously customs and stuff, just making sure. So you, you guys now, obviously back in the office, semi, semi back, um, cafes yeah. and restaurants, everything's starting to open as well or? Half, half, yeah. I mean, uh, my favourite coffee shop's not open yet, um, but in the same precinct, precinct there's two others yeah. so their options are there you just can't sit down i think from from friday the new rule is that you're allowed um, 10 people in a restaurant or cafe at one time um it's like, so it's quite slight, like 
It shouldn't what be about... based on people. It should be based on space, surely. Because if you've got a coffee shop that's the size of my living room or one that's a park, then you know it's different. Ten people. I think it's a maximum, but you've still got to have the, the yeah. distance. My colleague's just booked a, a dinner with her friends on Saturday night in Surrey Hills. Um, and she's like, I'm going to have the restaurant to myself. It's going to be like an exclusive dining experience. I'm like, I'm going to be able to stay there all night. I'm like, I'm sure there's going to be like a curfew for... Well, we know, went, we went and stayed in a new Shoreditch hotel, the Curtain. So new, it's not, it's quite new. Um, the week, the week we, I closed the office on the Thursday. The government yeah. guidelines weren't closing just yet. So I think it was the following week it went into lockdown. So I was about seven, eight days ahead. But I went, we, we booked... Um, we put the curtain on the Saturday night. So we're like, what do we do? We thought, we'll just go. Like, what else are we doing? Like, there's no one's telling us we can't go. I rang up the hotel. I was like, look, are you open? Is there any reason? Like, no, we've got strict rules and we're cleaning everywhere all the time. Blah, blah, blah. I got there. There was about four residents in the whole hotel. And like, they upgraded wow. us to a nice room, which is great. But yeah. like, might as well have been at home. It was like, there's no one in it. Yeah. Like, literally no one. The restaurant dead. Anywhere was dead. I was like, it's pointless. Um, yeah. So it's, it's probably going to be a bit like that in a lot of places. They'll be open, but that's how, yeah. how busy they'll be, I don't know. I think Western Australia, they're opening up Airbnb and hotels um, from Friday as well. And they, because uh, there's different regions within Western Australia. Uh, so they're opening those up as well and regional travel again within WA. But WA itself is still isolating from the rest of the, the, the country because they're, they're, they're probably ahead of the curve. They're the most they're isolated the most... city in the world, or state in the world, yeah, five-hour flight. Isn't it the closest, isn't the closest city to, to Perth, Kuala Lumpur? I'm sure I read that. Really? Geographically, the closest city is KL, I think, or something like that. It's not, it's not in Australia anyway, the closest city. We look after a lot of the mining towns in WA, and um, some of the mining, like that, you can fly from Port Hedland straight over to uh, to Bali. Yeah. Um, so we've got look, the fly and fly out workers base themselves in, in Bali. In Bali yeah, well, you get paid a fortune in Oz to mine, and then you get you pay peanuts and live like a king in Bali. Yeah, it makes sense. Yeah. Um, Sam, yeah. look, I, uh, that's all we've got time for, mate. I really enjoyed the chat, and uh, thanks for taking the time. I know I've been a bit bit of a nightmare trying to get this in and a few things have happened. Hey, I'm but... sorry to hear the news, yeah. Oh, it's all right. We will get through it. Um, you've got to stay positive. Um, but look, uh, if anyone does listen to this show and wants to reach out to you as a result uh, to find out any more or just ask some questions, you, you're open to a chat? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. anytime you can go to my website. It's all there. Brilliant. All right. Well, I'll, I'll tag you on LinkedIn as well so anyone can get you on there. Um, and let's get Perfect. you, we're going to get you in for a full episode of the RAG podcast because I think there's a real story there about how you got to the to australia and all the rest of it we we're going to tell it on the, on a longer version um but thank you so much and uh, let's keep in touch nice one cheers Sean. Awesome. guys thanks for listening i hope you enjoyed today's episode if you do do me a favor i don't ask for any money to listen but i do ask you to do one thing which is share the episode so get on linkedin put your comments on there send it to a friend a colleague a boss even your competitors um together if we're all listening every day to shared information we will get through this stronger um i'll be back again tomorrow with more information for you but in the meantime stay safe and i'll see you soon this podcast is brought to you by hoxo media we are the world's number one inbound marketing agency exclusively focused on helping the recruitment industry myself and my business partner started the business in 2017 having been recruiters for seven years before we felt that the recruitment industry back then needed to change and that marketing was going to play a huge role in the way that new and existing recruitment organizations won business and stood out in such a crowded marketplace. 
in three years, we've now worked with over 200 organizations around the world. We reach a huge audience with both this podcast and content online. And we have over 55 recruitment agencies right now we're managing the marketing for. So that involves strategy, content creation, distribution, systems process, and leads generated. Having been recruiters and marketeers, we can not only build your brand, but we're also able to connect it to your sales team and ensure that leads are generated as a result of marketing. There's a clear ROI that leads to sales activity. But we also understand recruitment businesses. That's small businesses, medium-sized businesses, large businesses in all sectors. We understand you, we've done the job, and we can build campaigns that are super relevant to what you need as a business right now. We've also recently launched the Hoxo Academy, which is designed to help recruitment owners, recruiters and marketeers learn from the work that we do so that you can action some of this stuff in-house on your own. The Academy has been launched in May 2020 and has already had an amazing uh, response from the market and it's only going to grow one way. So if you're interested in either having Hoxo support, you build your marketing as as a supplier that acts as part of your team or you want to be trained by us on how to do it yourself, then get in touch. Visit www.hoxomedia.com and register your interest on our homepage. We will then get back to you within 24 hours and arrange uh, an introductory call. Thanks again for listening to this show. Every single one of you means so much and we will see you again soon.